This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Greetings, you're on Deep Background for what is today, Kraski? Wednesday, the, the October 12th? 12th. 12th. Sounds right. October 12th, about a month before Election Day. I'm Dave Helling with the Star, Steve Kraski with... KCUR is up to date in the Kansas City Hi, Star. It's just the two of us today. Cannon had to go to a rock and roll show or something, so <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Okay, well, so nothing to talk about this week, only uh, tape gate or whatever we want to call it. And we're we, a month away, right? A month away, and and uh, the debate Sunday and the meltdown Monday. Let's try it from a different direction uh, because I think there's, you know, we'll be rehashing Trump-Clinton forever, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about it before Election Day, but... If you were advising Roy Blunt or Jason Kander about how to deal with the Trump question in a race that's a two-point oh, race, what, what, what would you tell them? What, what, it's obvious that Roy Blunt uh, particularly, and I'll go over on the other side of the state line in a minute to talk about Kevin Yoder, but it's obvious that a guy like Blunt has a very difficult problem. Boy. Because if he, if he in essence, you know, thumbs his nose at the Trump Easters, they abandon him in droves and he loses. But if Trump continues to collapse, if you're on the Trump train, it's a problem. And I think he really senses that problem. What would you tell him what to do? Boy, it's such a I, I can wax eloquently, David, about the magnitude of the problem. Answering it uh, as you're as you're asking me directly here is a different matter. I think three quarters of Missouri Republicans in very round numbers, obviously, are people who still are in Trump's on Trump's side will vote for him for president. You have a quarter of Missouri Republicans who are out the door. They're like Paul Ryan. They've unendorsed. They've backed away. From, from Donald Trump. So what do you, how, how do you speak to these two very different factions within your own party? And you're seeing Roy Blunt struggle here. He's trying to appease both of these groups by sort of saying, yeah, you know, what Donald Trump is doing is awful, it's bad, and, and criticizing it, but he's not unendorsed uh, Donald Trump. And that's the big question. That's the question the media is asking. Is he going to unendorse? Particularly after the tape that came out Particularly after last the tape Friday. that came out last Friday. Right, exactly. And so, you know, what does Roy Blunt do? He, he's a you know smart guy, an experienced politician. What he's chosen to do so far, as I'm suggesting, is is to try to appease both sides and sort of wiggle and hope this Trump thing dies down a little bit. Unlike past scandals with Donald Trump, this one's got a little legs to it. We're seeing some very sharp impact in the polls. Hillary Clinton moving ahead now substantially. Let me tell you, just from firsthand conversations with leading Missouri Democrats, there's a lot of glee in the air. It's not unlike what how they responded back in 2012 when Todd Aiken made his famous remark about about rape that had so many Americans way outside of Missouri very upset and wondering about the whole brand of Republicanism in this country. So Democrats are gleeful here watching their Republican colleagues and rivals struggle with this question. I don't know if there's an easy answer, and that's why <laughs> that's why Republicans are struggling right, today. It's very clear that that uh, Roy Blunt is trying to straddle this as long as he can, 
uh, because he because of excuse me the dilemma we just talked about yeah. that he can't anger the Trump people but he can't anger the suburban people who are not he needs really them both he, he needs, needs everybody both to win here both, both. so but he's also hoping for a couple of things, I think. First, a bit of a rebound by Trump, which will help him with turnout. He needs a good turnout. I think he's not worried that the Republicans who won't vote for Trump will vote for Clinton. He's just worried they won't show up. Mm-hmm. And if they don't show up, they don't vote for him, and, and he's in trouble. So he's got to just hope for a bounce back uh, from the Trump people simply on the mechanics of getting people to the polls. But but he also has to worry about a free fall from Donald Trump, in which case you have to sort of separate yourself, run as an independent voice. And I will say that I think he's done a pretty good job of that, has he not, over these last couple of months. Now, the Monmouth poll that we're talking about came out today, and it has Trump plus five in Missouri, Roy Blunt plus Two. So it looks both like both numbers Blunt, are dropping, right? And both numbers are dropping, and and Blunt is underperforming Trump a little bit. So again, it's a difficult thing to understand if you're in the Blunt campaign whether to tie your fortunes to a guy who's running three points ahead of you or to abandon him, uh, uh, hoping to avoid the consequences of a free fall, which is. Not likely, but certainly possible by the Trump people in the next couple of weeks. You know, obviously it could go either way. One of Steve Kraske's rule of politics based on nothing but my own sense of covering this stuff for a long time is that presidential elections tend to run in waves. You know, we've seen a pro-Trump wave in recent weeks. We've seen (laughs) a pro-Hillary Clinton wave now in the wake of the tape, particularly she's looking like she's in really good shape. But there are four weeks left. That's enough time for another wave. You're suggesting it could be, perhaps, an anti-Trump wave that drives him down even farther if more tapes come out. I'm suggesting that that could be the case or perhaps this washes away and Trump sees a little bit of a rebound as the country really looks itself in the eye and in the mirror, doesn't want to elect Hillary Clinton for its president for the next four years, and will there be some response to that? We don't know, but in the meantime— Roy Blunt's going to straddle until he sees a clear direction right. here. I mean, my argument on the Trump side is I think there will be a tightening. I, that's the more likely scenario for me. There typically is. There typically from, is. Particularly from what we've seen from Trump this year, which is everything we think disqualifies him just makes him stronger. He's like something right. out of a horror movie in a way. Yeah. And so as we get closer to November 8th, you might see a two or three point race and the Democrats will be freaking out. I think that is actually more likely than the other possibility, which is a complete collapse, a rout, mm-hmm. right. and he's 15 points down and the Senate and the House go Democratic and really the Republicans are run out of town on a rail. That that seems less likely to me, but not impossible. Not impossible. The, and at that point, it may be at that point that Roy Blunt will conclude, there's nothing I can do. I'm just caught in this wave and it's been a collapse and it, I'm for Trump or against him. It doesn't matter. I'm going to lose no matter what happens because because of the desertion, really, of... I mean, Donald Trump is tied with Clinton in Utah with that third party, Evan McMullen, I think, close. Yeah. If, if, and before we go over to the Yoder side, the, the Democrats poll this week showed Clinton plus 10 in the third district of Kansas. Yeah. If that poll is right, the possibility 
of a meltdown, I think, is at least there, if not the likely outcome, the possible outcome. Listen, Republicans in Missouri are counting on Donald Trump at plus seven, plus nine, somewhere in that range. You'd knock that down to two or three points, as many Democrats are now anticipating and hoping for. That's a whole different mathematical scenario because of the link between how people vote. They, they vote for, you know, Republican for president, Republican for U.S. Senate. If that begins to change, that little that little difference could really sway a, a U.S. Senate race in a state like Missouri. Now, this is what I also find interesting. Let's talk about this for a little bit. In virtually every other, after last Friday's uh, uh, tape disclosure, Democrats in virtually every other race that I could find, at least competitive Senate race, uh, were putting out press releases against their opponents saying, hey, are you on Trump's side or not? Will you denounce him? This is misogynist, hateful stuff. Where are you on the record? We're getting a little of that, by the way, in the Yoda race in Kansas. Mm -hmm. But Jason Kander has not gone there, at least as far as I can see. The DSCC has done a little bit, Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee. But Jason Kander himself and his campaign have not really attacked uh, Roy Blunt for his connections with Donald Trump. Instead, he's Why do you taken, think that is? Well, he's taken a more personal tact, as we were discussing before. He, yeah. he, he's taking a really hard look at Roy Blunt and saying, hey, your family is a bunch of are a bunch of lobbyists and you've made money uh you've helped them make money because of your connections in washington and the fact that you're a u.s senator pretty powerful argument and what you hear from democrats is that line of of attack is going to continue pretty much between now and election day it's potent stuff and maybe more maybe the most potent argument you can make against a sitting politician like Roy Blunt in a year of the outsider when there's so much currency so much buoyancy to be gained by people who are new to government or seemingly have a fresh face like right. Jason Kander. Right. I think one of the arguments that Kander has made is that uh, is the um, Washington insider argument against yeah. Roy Blunt and that's kind of the argument that Donald Trump has made. And when I talked to Kander last week for the story that ran this week in the newspaper, he made that explicit comparison. He says, look, I, I don't think Donald Trump can be president, but he's saying the same thing about Roy Blunt than I am, mm -hmm. which is it's time to shake up Washington. And I think that has some, excuse me, <clears throat> some resonance. It's late in the cycle. The other thing <laughs> is, I think that there, and I, we talked about this last week, Steve, I think that there is the possibility of a Trump candor vote in Missouri, yeah, particularly among labor folks, blue collar people who are attracted to Trump's message on trade and sort of the little guy getting screwed, but would also vote for candor as a more traditionally democratic vote, yeah. pro-labor, anti-trade. And so candor has made the decision, look, I can't make those people mad. Yes, if, I, right. if I make those people mad in a two or three point race, it could be the difference. So candor faces a little bit of a difficult, I mean, he's kind of, it's ticklish for him too in Missouri. Well, he doesn't have to go after Trump as long as he has this other argument against Blunt, I'm suggesting, which is his family ties. Hey, let me just say this. In this campaign cycle, this fall general election campaign cycle, the ad of the year, at least in my right, estimation, right. is that Jason Kander blindfolded thing, putting the gun together thing. 
very powerful stuff, inoculates himself against, uh, you know, and, and makes him friendly to the gun crowd. It had so many residual benefits. It was a very slick ad. People remember it. And uh, I think the one reason this race is so close today is because of that right. ad. Because the major problem for Jason Kander always was he wasn't well known in the state. Mm -hmm. Even polling two months ago, 63% of people had no opinion about him because they didn't know who the hell he was. Yeah. Now they know he's the guy in the gun ad. Yeah. If you just say he's yep. the guy in the gun ad, people know. People know what you're talking about. So I think that's why it's one of the most important ads of the cycle. I don't think I, Cannon, who isn't here to defend himself, and I argued about this a little bit. You know, the the message in that ad was, "Hey, we need background checks," and he thought that was interesting. That I, I don't think people paid one, one minute of attention, of attention to of what he was actually saying no. in that ad. They were watching him put the damn gun together. He's a Democrat who likes guns, and that's a but really strong. I mean, I think when that ad came on, you were just watching him put the mm -hmm. gun together. You mm -hmm. weren't listening to him. You weren't even yes. looking at him. Absolutely. You were thinking, can he put this gun together? And that, you know, every time you watch the ad, you know even later that he's going to actually succeed. But there's still that sort of, can he actually pull this off? And not even remotely hearing what yeah. he had to say, no, which I, is I, another I, reason why it's a great ad, because it gets... It gets that sort of visceral point of, of without with without getting in trouble for what the message is because background checks are probably not highly popular in parts of Missouri. Okay, let's go over to the Kansas side of the state. Right. And I mentioned earlier this Democratic poll that had Clinton uh, plus 10 over Trump in the 3rd District, which I think is a little exaggerated, but not too much. You, you, you know, the suburban uh, districts like the 3rd are just the places where I think Trump has the most trouble. But do you sense that Kevin Yoder's struggling at all? Well, you, you begin to get that impression. He's going up negative on, on Jay Sidey, trying to make some points about, you know, Jay's licensing for what he does for a living. Business, and yeah. Yeah. So I, I think there's there are signs here that that's the case. One thought I have is that in another uh, uh, Kevin Yoder ad really hits Jay Sidey for his voting record, personal yep. voting record. Doesn't show up to vote. Doesn't show up to vote for a bunch of education initiatives in the third district. Education being a huge issue in our neck of the woods. That's where I happen to live and where you live as well. I thought both, both of those ads were really effective. Um, and it makes me think that if Jay Sidey should go on to lose here by a few points, what a missed opportunity for Democrats if they've been able to field a more competitive candidate with a little bit of government experience who might have been kind of a white hat kind of person. Boy, this could have been a Democratic right. year. And again. I think that you're exactly right that if Yoder pulls this out, Democrats will think, hey, this was an opportunity to steal a House seat. And I think we've talked about this before, but I think Jay Sidey's problem is the one that all rookie candidates uh, share, and that is a relative lack of working understanding of government. It's not just name identification, which you hear all the time. It's the idea that a candidate has to have some innate sense of what the government is all about mm -hmm. and how it works. And you just go down the list, uh, Eric Greitens in Missouri, Jay Sidey, Donald Trump, uh, whenever you find someone who doesn't have at least some experience yeah. in government, yeah. uh, you know, I, I get the outsider argument. I get the, you know, blow the place up. I get the time for a fresh start and generational change. But you have to be able to at least have, I think, some working knowledge of government. Yeah. And if you don't, people sense that. And I think that may be Jay Sidey's biggest problem. The, that, that coupled with the idea that Trump might lose and therefore the Republicans would come home for Yoder. But I, I think his biggest problem is people just don't sense that he is qualified. 
voters need to beware this cycle. There is a premium this election season. There has been in past recent election seasons on the word fresh. Fresh face, new to government. These are the people who can clean things up and, and straighten out Washington, straighten out Topeka, whatever uh, your office is. And I just think that people really have to be careful about that because, you know, Government, these issues are way more complicated than we want to believe they are. You start thinking about how to solve American poverty, about racism, healthcare, even transportation, health care. You wrote about in a very good column today, David. You know, these issues are complex. The answers are not simple. We want them to be because we don't have time to invest in studying these things, but they're not. And fresh faces, you know, don't have the experience, don't have the knowledge. And people need to be have that. Right. And I think the assumption is always, boy, you could learn this overnight or you just yeah, study right. this book and you'll get it. But I, I say this as someone who's been a reporter for 40 years. You do, it does take some experience to understand this stuff. And when yeah. you're enmeshed in it, mm-hmm. it then becomes second nature. And you do have a sense of what, you know, what's up, what's down, what's good, what's bad. But if you come to it cold, and the biggest critique of Jay Seide is he didn't vote in these elections because he doesn't care. If you come to it cold and don't care... Uh, it's hard to convince people overnight that you are the better choice than someone at least has some right. working knowledge. That doesn't mean it's impossible, but uh, and Yoder certainly has some negatives. I mean, he's you know we all joke about the Sea of Galilee thing, but he's you know payday loan yeah. contributions. People are worried about that. The thing he stuck into a, an appropriations bill That's a couple right. of years ago on swaps for banks, that drove a lot of people crazy. That insider Washington insider stuff, stuff that doesn't speak to the common person out there doesn't wash in an election yeah, cycle, yeah. cycle like so, this. So if you were, were advising Kevin Yoder, what would you tell him about Donald Trump? Well, yeah. He <laughs> asked me that what, same question right. again. What would you tell Kev, if Kevin Yoder said, hey, should I embrace Trump? Or should I run from I, I him? think you got to wiggle on it just like Roy Blunt is doing. You certainly you – know, has he endorsed him formally? Is yes. He, oh, so yeah. I'm voting for the Republican he's, nominee. He's voting is, for him, which is – I mean, that's the thing they're telling all the R's all over the country is tell people you're voting. Don't even use his name. Don't use the word I'm endorsement. I support yeah. the Republican nominee. That's right. He has – okay, all this – Right. Because he's not using the word endorsement. I was a little slow on the pickup right, right, there. Right. but. I think you got to wiggle on it, just like Roy Blunt is doing. Um, the third district race appears to be because Yoder's criticizing Sidey as much as he is. The race appears to be within single digits right now. I think and the Democratic poll had it at four points, five, well, four that or five se- points. That seems a little optimistic to me. But, me too. Uh, me too. But but I think uh, Kevin Yoder has to be aware now of where we are and and can't go too far with with Donald Trump. Yeah. Okay. A couple of final questions. Are we had the Sunday debate? I want to get your judgment on that, and then a. Week week from today, as we tape, will be the fourth debate, third presidential debate. It may be the last inflection point of the race. I do think Donald Trump, as the the cliche is, stopped the bleeding on Sunday. Uh, Do we think he'll start bleeding again before next week, or or what what, what will that last debate look like? I mean, I don't think he has completely staunched the bleeding. That is sort of the, the conventional wisdom buzz that's around right now. You know, he, he has dropped in the polls and dropped significantly, and he needs to pick up the pace somehow. And, you know, the, the thing you do here, too, when it comes to conventional wisdom is he, he didn't find a way in that second debate to reach out to undecided voters, to independents, and begin to pull them into his camp. He was preaching only to his base. I think that was largely true, too. 
he's got lots of problems here. He, he, he's, you know, he's, he's down in the polls. Some say low double digits now nationally to Hillary Clinton. Time is running out. He's, he's really got to change the, the equation here quickly. Right. He's giving us no signs, once again, that he's about to do that yeah, this week yeah, with yeah. him knocking Paul Ryan, with him knocking John McCain. He's, he's unleashed now, everyone is saying. It's not a pretty picture, David. I thought the takeaway from that second debate, and I wrote as much in a thing for the buzz, was what a depressing forum that halfway through that thing, I, I was embarrassed for the country, embarrassed for the candidates. You know, the country, whoever wins this thing, doesn't come out of this race with any kind of jetpack strapped on his or her back oh, to give them a no boost into their presidency. It's going to be the winner by default, and that's not what you want in, in, in divided government Washington. So I thought we all lost. Yeah, the next four years, regardless of what happens in November, are going to be a nightmare. Yes. To that, I would only add this. Uh, you know, if let's assume for a moment that Donald Trump didn't have a tape problem and didn't have a rhetorical problem and hadn't decided to declare war on the yeah. other Republicans in the leadership. He still, as the Republican nominee, in just a generic way, had to run or has to run an almost perfect campaign because of the numbers. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, a Democrat, a, a nameless Democrat, already has the electoral votes from California yeah. and New York yeah. in the pocket. That's a third of what you need to be elected president. So there is a an electoral college advantage for the Democrat baked in given demographics and other things before the race even gets started. Yeah, Second, yeah. Republicans, since 1988, the Republican presidential nominee has won the popular vote one time in 2004. Mm -hmm. In 92 and 96, Clinton won, 2000 Al Gore won, even though he didn't, you know, the famous 2000. Then, he, of course, the Republicans won in 2004, 2008, 2012, Obama both times. So when you, you know, it's almost 20 years, one time uh, that Republicans have won the popular vote. So that is a is something you have to think about going in as the Republican Donald yeah. Trump, that you, 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 inherently it's tough for you to win the popular vote and the electoral vote. And by the way, Donald, you have no money. You didn't raise any money. You were self-funded. And you have no operation in the states. You're leaning on the RNC to give you the clipboard people that make the phone calls. Which, which is not enough to rely right, upon. Right, and not, certainly not, one would guess, in modern presidential politics. You don't have the analytics. You don't yeah. do all of these other things. So even if Donald Trump weren't shooting himself in the foot and saying stupid things, and if, even if these tapes weren't coming out, he would be at a disadvantage anyway. Mm -hmm. This stuff just makes it worse, which makes it almost impossible to think that at this point in time, anyone but Hillary Clinton will be the next president of the United well, States. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, and, and already you're hearing some Republicans, they're beginning to wring their hands, looking at a post-mortem here of where does their party go sure. after this train wreck. Well, that's a and podcast for another day, isn't knows? it? Who knows? Who knows where they go? And, you know, we've been wrong about Trump so many times in this campaign, but you're, I, I couldn't agree more with your analysis. There's almost no path forward here for Trump. It might tighten, but... Um, I mean, he's losing in Florida. He's losing yes. in North Carolina. Ohio. It's narrow in Ohio. Even Ohio. Pennsylvania, yeah. he's down double digits in some polls. And, and, of course, again, out of the gate, you lose New York. You lose California. You know, she's already a third of the way there before you even, you know, buy yeah. a minute's worth of television time. 
And, it, it, you know, it's like a baseball team where you, feel, you, you figure, okay, if I've got a great bullpen and I've got, you know, singles hitters, I might be able to win a World Series. But I can't go into a contest with nothing. Yeah, with nothing. He doesn't have organization, doesn't have money. All he has is enthusiasm, which I think we would agree his supporters are more enthusiastic than hers, and a certain ability to capture the attention of the cable news audience. But beyond that, any other traditional metric of electoral college or anything else, I think he's not The the same uh, challenge awaits the Republicans as await Democrats in Kansas, for what it's worth, is how do you broaden your tent? How do you make your party more appealing to more people? Republicans nationally are really struggling with that, just as Democrats, even in a small state like Kansas, are new, you know, relatively new leadership in, in the Kansas Democratic Party. They're very much about, hey, we're not broadening this thing. We're sticking with yes. the unions. We're sticking with yep. anti-abortion. Yep. We're not going to broaden this thing. That's just simply not the path right. forward. Right. The other way to put that is the only way to grow your party is to sit in a room somewhere and say to the other side, you know what? You have a point. You yeah. have a point there. Yeah. And and I think the Democrats, by the way, have been brilliant about trying, not in Kansas necessarily, but nationally, and sort of co-opting some messages. And Jason Kander is the perfect example yeah. of that. And Chris Coster, they they you know they got tired of losing on guns, so they said we've got to change on yes. guns, yes. or we're going to keep losing. We've but, got but, a choice here. But so many old line Democrats yes. are having so much trouble with what Coster's done, with what you know, yes. even where Jason Kander is. But even they are sitting back, going, "Okay, we've got to wiggle here a little bit because They're of the reality that we're in." Reality. And and of course, Donald Trump has never understood that. Yes. That, that the reality of the world is most people, broadly speaking, are in the middle, and they're not attracted. And, and, and I think the Republicans have tried their best with John McCain, with Mitt Romney, with Bob Dole, to find people in that yeah. center-right place. And this year they gave up the ghost and said, okay, we'll give it to this guy whose who's political you know, place on the spectrum is undefinable. I mean, yeah. we don't know if he's right, left, he's just off the charts. And we'll, we're seeing what happens. You know, two things quickly. You know, it was former Governor Mel Carnahan, who obviously died in that, that plane crash in 2000, who really pushed the 16 party 16 years left. ago, almost. The, the, That's right. Yeah, That's right. Today's Who the really pushed that party to the left. It's taken the Democrats in Missouri this many years to sort of come back. Jay Nixon has helped with some of that. Chris Coster is the embodiment now of a new Democratic right. way of former thinking. Former Republican. Former Republican, That's absolutely. Right. And one other really quick fact here, David. If Jason Kander should pull off the upset of the year, the national upset of the year by beating Roy Blunt in Missouri. Missouri will have two Democratic U.S. senators. That'll be the first time since 1977, 40 years ago, that the state has two Democrats representing it in the Senate. Interesting fact. Two two things I'll add quickly, and then we'll call it a day. First, if Jason Kander does pull off the upset, I think the Democrats will control the Senate. I think that that it'll be a wave, and he may be the—but that'll be— you know, if they if he can win here, they're going to win in a lot of places. Second, Jason Kander could become a bit of a national figure at that point. Oh. He's young, yes. took on the incumbent guy. Hello, cover of People State. magazine, right. David. Well, yeah. but I mean, just as a political <laughs> matter, people will look at, you know, a 35-year-old candidate who came from nowhere— took on an incumbent senator with some entrenched, uh, you know, uh, connections in Washington with the GOP majority, 
and was able to capture a purple state, even a slightly tinged red state. What a story that That'd would be. That would be a, a, a big story. So, and not to mention that two Democrats in the Senate, controlled by Democrats, would get more attention than if they were in the minority. So, sure, sure. But those discussions are for another day when we see how <laughs> voters finally decide what to do. Steve Kraske with KCUR is up to date in the Star. Thanks so much you for being bet, with David. us. You bet, David. Happy to uh, do it. We'll be back next week. Again, thanks for listening. Uh, be sure and subscribe. Uh, to this podcast on iTunes, and I think we're on SoundCloud and some other places. And But it's uh, always great chatting with you. We've got a month to go. We'll be back next week with another edition of The Background. We'll see you then.